And we're live. All right. It's All uh, right. Hebrews and Talks episode 16. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, for real. Uh, I never imagined that we'd be this part into it. <laughs> but it's been, a, it's been a good ride. Yeah. It's been really fun. I've been enjoying it. I know uh, Sam has been enjoying it as yeah, well. For sure. uh, it's just something to look forward to. I, at least for me, it would be kind of like a break from like the, the usual church stuff. Yeah, usual flow of things. To, uh, talk about you know, interesting topics, at least for, for the two of us, and right. just uh, share our thoughts as you all listen in or watch. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who care about our thoughts. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I think it's appropriate to mention now that we're going to do this podcast. We're going to proceed by seasons. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's not a set number of episodes per season, but this is the end. This is the last episode of season one. Yeah. Um, so 16 episodes of season one. And then we, we plan to resume a season two in December, correct? December 3rd, first Friday of December. December 3rd. So yeah. same day, same time, all the episodes in season two are going to drop at that day and time. Uh, but this is the last episode of season one. Yeah, and uh, season two will have a new set, new design, new th- uh, theme, new everything. So it should be pretty exciting. Uh, today, just to keep it the same, I got my I'll Be Back mug for today. So yeah, he's consistent, and uh, <laughs> he's a better pastor than I. So that that'll we'll talk more about that in a sec. But I'm inconsistent for the for the last episode of season one. I brought a new mug. Can't it looks see good if, though. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So uh, it says his his mercies are new every morning, and uh, on the inside it says covering all the, the verse. <laughs> <laughs> on the inside, it it actually shows uh, the verse Lamentations three, I think two twenty three. You don't believe. even know. I do know. See, I'm correct. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, new mug, and I like it. I think it reminds me. Uh, That's a good reminder. Yeah. It's a good mug. Exactly. So I'm going to give our layout for today's episode, episode 16, the last episode of the season. Um, we're going to have, again, a devotional through the book of Hebrews. Pastor Eugene is going to lead us through that. Our main segment today is about is a serious topic, but maybe approach it in a lighthearted way. Uh, just kind of have a little fun with it. Uh, just talk about, you know, seriously and jokingly, you know, what makes a good pastor. Mm-hmm. Secondary segment, we have some Christian news, something that you guys should be aware of or, or be interesting to know about the Christian world and, you know, whatever's happening in the world today for Christians. And then we have a special uh, secondary segment, a Q&A, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we'll close the last episode of the season. Yeah, sounds good. Let me uh, start us off with our de- our uh, devotional for today. Right. It's a like Hebrews chapter three, um, twelve and thirteen. It says, uh, "Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." Amen. Uh, very uh, short and precise verse, but I think we get a good picture of what the church is supposed to be like. It's supposed to help believers to take care so that we don't uh, fall away uh, from our faith, uh, have an unbelieving. Uh, it's interesting. The writer says evil, unbelieving heart. So unbelieving heart is evil. When we think of evil, we think of you know a heart that's full of wickedness, uh, that's full of I don't know harmful thoughts, harmful plans. But here it says. Uh, evil, unbelieving heart. So if we have an unbelieving heart, uh, he calls that evil. But he wants us to take care so that we don't have that evil, unbelieving heart. Uh, Rather, to exhort means encourage. We encourage one another as a church 
Every day, as long as it's called today, I really like that, right? Every day, as long as it's called today, uh, encourage one another so that we don't, uh, we aren't hardened by uh, sin. It's, I think it's easy mm-hmm. for us to forget uh, or take for granted God's grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and just say, oh, I, I, you know, I sin, but I can just, you know, ask for forgiveness and he forgives me and we just kind of justify sinning a little bit and you know we're like oh it's by grace anyway and we kind of take it to the uh, other extreme um but in that in that way it's easy for us to get hardened uh and fall into the deceitfulness of sin um but as we come together as a body of christ and we truly encourage one another it's like we're looking out for each other it's like hey are you sure you should be doing this you should be doing that uh not in a judging way but in a loving way to encourage each other to keep on keeping on right in the, down the right road. And so it's a good reminder. I think as we close out season one is that uh, that's what Christianity really is. We're not all running our own race, right? We're all running together uh, as a church. Uh, so if you're, uh, if you have yet to get plugged into a church, we want to highly encourage you to find a local church that you can um, fit into and have that, uh, good support group of other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and those who have a church uh, to continue to be that brother and sister in Christ for each other. So make sure that we are not falling into sin. We're not falling away from our belief, but we're able to keep on going down um, the righteous road, right? Mm-hmm. So that we're not hardened by the, the deceitfulness of sin, that we take sin seriously and we help each other to look more like Christ uh, each day. Amen. I think that's a much needed word especially for today's generation and today's mm-hmm. church we uh we get too make it too personal and of course it is personal but like we whenever like a brother or sister like points out a sin or encourages you to faithfulness we take that offensively mm-hmm. and uh, that's not that's not good for the church it's very unhealthy right. um and so we need to be grateful for brothers and sisters who actually call us out on our sin and our pride and the hardness of heart mm-hmm. and so yeah amen thank you pe yeah of course good word all right. You want to lead us into <laughs> what makes a good pastor? Uh, yeah, sure. Like when I was, when we first decided to do this as our last episode, I was kind of thinking a little bit here and there um, what exactly a good pastor looks like. And um, I kind of, you know, I don't know if for those who are uh, into sports, there, there have been like IG posts and other social media posts where they uh, assemble pieces they'll say like the perfect basketball player has like steph curry's shooting and like oh yeah Le- lebron james is like it, you know, bi- bas- uh, basketball iq etc mm-hmm. to form one player and on the opposite end they had like the worst player possible it would be like you know all the bad players like their their traits but i, I was kind of thinking in that in that sense just for fun i was thinking what would make a good pastor like what combination of mm-hmm. like what were the best traits of you know people from the past like in the bible uh plus people current and um, I kind of got started on it. I didn't really finish assembling the full pastor, but if I can share a little bit, I think, uh, I, um, I don't know what better way to put it, but intellect-wise, uh, maybe like a Paul or mm-hmm. now um, our um, recently passed away Tim Keller will be another, another guy. I'll say uh, they're very smart. Of course, they're very talented in, very, in many aspects, but I think they're very intellectually uh, gifted as well mm-hmm. they're able to explain the gospel dissect it share it um, Very philosophical. Just, just like looking at romans right it's yeah. one of those books where 
uh, that Paul wrote and like pastors spend their whole lives just studying the book of Romans because it's so uh, theologically deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, I mean, I give that to, to Paul and, you know, Tim Keller also wrote a lot of books, uh, very insightful books, deep theological books uh, for, for us to read. And uh, again, just that kind of intellect. Um, I would say like passion wise, maybe like Charles Spurgeon. Um, he's like, he's also very smart too. So, but you know, uh, if I were to pick one trait from Charles Spurgeon, he's very like uh, direct. Uh, he's very bold too. He's very passionate. He's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And more of a recent pastor would be Paul Washer. If you mm-hmm. if you listen to his sermons, man, this is like a knife just like or a sword just like stabbing you, stabbing you, stabbing. Because he's not afraid to uh, to to say the truth, right? Um, in a loving way too, though we see it's not just to hurt people, right, with the truth. But he, we can tell if you listen to his sermon, it's really out of love. But the things he says is piercing, it's convicting because it's the truth, and we know that we're so far from that truth. So heart-wise, um, I would say it's Paul Washer and um, or Francis Chan. Uh, yeah, or yeah, Francis Chan fits in there too. Yeah, um, Charles Spurgeon's passion. Uh, I was trying to think of like who's known as like a very loving pastor, uh, someone famous. Um, but I think love is a big key too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we see in Paul's letters there's a lot of weeping. He wept for the churches that he wrote letters to. I think that's just from a heart of love. Um, and actually, this book I'm reading called Fan the Flame by uh, John Simbala says, like, how often do pastors actually, like, weep and cry and have a heart, um, that kind of, like, loving heart for their, their people? Um, and he was saying, like, it's one of the more underrated traits um, that a pastor has is the ability to cry. Uh, and weep and empathize uh, with their congregation. Um, so that'll be another one too. I just couldn't think of, I, th- I feel like Francis Chan kind of fits that mold yeah. too. He's very empathetic and he sympathizes and he's able to, uh, I think, you know, sit down and weep with you, um, mm-hmm. be um, sympathetic with you. Um, yeah. When you brought up like the uh, Instagram you know, trend where like people try to like combine traits mm-hmm. and one perfect player, mm-hmm. I immediately started thinking about Paul. I started thinking about his counterpart in some sense, uh, Apostle Peter. Mm-hmm. If you if you were to fuse Apostle Paul's you know mind and and Peter's um, heart you know mm-hmm. for the church and for the Lord together, like I feel like you would create the perfect pastor. Oh, yeah. Almost the, the two of them, yeah. Alone. yeah. But I feel like in one sense, like this is kind of like jumping to the ending conclusion, but whatever. It uh, <laughs> it's our last episode. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no rules at this point. But uh, we uh, what is it? Um. Paul and Peter, like, they need each other, right? Yeah. Like, they need each other for the kingdom needs both of them. Yeah. They're counterparts in one sense for a reason. For sure. I think they complete each other for ministry's sake. And I think, I think that's very, like, uh, gracious to pastors because mm-hmm. we don't have to be the perfect pastor. Like, even Francis Chan, he was talking about, you know, uh, intellectual brothers and saying that when he was going through seminary, he wanted to be them mm-hmm. and he wanted to have it all. He wanted to have the passion and, and the brains and, and every answer to every question. But he realized as he got older and as he matured in the faith that he became more and more thankful for brothers like scholars because he knew that he wasn't them mm-hmm. and that he needed brothers like that and vice versa. So in one sense, we're not supposed to be the perfect shepherd because the perfect shepherd would technically be saying like, oh, like we don't need 
or like that'd be like Jesus, right? Like because he called himself the chief shepherd. And so I guess like our goal is to emulate, you know, traits of the shepherd, which is Jesus. And so you were saying like love and the ability to empathize, like Jesus had compassion for the lost and the broken, mm-hmm. uh, the sheep without a shepherd. Um, and obviously he's, he's God and he knows, he knows much, even as a child, right? Like he would, he would blow the minds of, you know, teachers and whatnot, uh, based off his knowledge of scripture and, and the world and God. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think the thing that's been on my mind a lot lately, especially because the Lord has been like really, you know, like, uh, convicting me about this, because something that I struggle with a lot is humility. Uh, I think a good pastor is humble. Yeah. Um, not making it about themselves that has to do with humility serving that's like directly you know connected to humility like it says in philippians right Uh, humility just like trickles into so many different aspects of pastoring and shepherding yeah uh and yeah i think i think that's that's what the that's the book of philippians that's what paul says yeah it is the trait of a christian yeah but that's like the the pressing trait that Jesus actually displayed uh, that he made himself into the form of man uh, to be obedient to the point of death. Right. Um, and so that, that's a big thing for me, humility. Yeah. And um, humility also in like being able to uh, admit mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, the person that comes to mind is Matt Chandler. I think I shared already what kind of what right. he was going through and he was, mm-hmm. Uh, up front, he shared with this congregation exactly what was going on. Again, nothing, nothing fishy, but it just could come off the wrong way if mm-hmm. you know could be perceived the wrong way. So he um, was able to work it out with the elders, and he he stepped down. I don't know if he's back now because that was quite a some time ago. Uh, but uh, that also speaks of integrity too. Uh, he could have easily just kind of swept it under the rug and just kind of because it wasn't a a sinful thing technically, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he could have just swept it under the rug and just kind of hoped that it kind of died away. But uh, there's integrity in that. The fact that he was willing to be upfront with everyone um, and also admit uh, his, his slip up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess Matt Chandler adds to my, <laughs> my list of like Your another list. aspect. Because, um, uh, you know, obviously Jesus is a, the perfect um, teacher, pastor, mm-hmm. all that. And, and sinful man is now are now pastors. So like myself and PSK, we're we're like far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would take multiple multiple people to even come close to forming the perfect pastor. Right. Um, so I'll 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 probably add Matt Chandler in there too into the mix. Just add everyone. Yeah. Just try to form. Yeah. yeah. A Jesus. John Piper shepherd. too. John That's Piper. A, he's oh, also he's very, very passionate. Yeah, passionate. He's very yeah. intellectual. Yeah. Like he has everything too. Um, sure very wise i'll say i guess i don't know i think of him as wise just because i guess he's the oldest of the of these pastors that we've been naming what do you feel like you fall in terms of if we're only using these two spectrums like one in the spectrum is intellectual the other is passionate what do you think you fall what do you think you lean towards i mean i'm not that smart <laughs> so um i'll say probably more more like passionate mm. like um I, I do get fired up um it's been kind of tamed down a lot over the years, uh, but I, I do no, I see it. have that, that passion. Um, yeah. I can see you in both, honestly. I am, uh, yeah, me too. Passion for sure. I hate school. I hate, <laughs> I 
I like the idea of learning. I just don't like learning. Mm. It's, uh, it's tough. I think it's just, wow, this, uh, this topic's actually a lot harder to tackle than I, than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah, because there's so many aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's so hard to be a good pastor, oh, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, they don't think deeply. And even, like, pastors, we don't think about the question of, like, what makes a good pastor. Like, we're just trying our best. But, like, I think if you think about it, it's really hard, right? The standard is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Like, for pastors, like, you have to... A good pastor is very solid in their character. Yeah. Uh, morally, ethically, but also in their discipline, in their movements, in yeah. their patterns, and yeah. uh, diligence. Uh, because like P- Paul says to Timothy, who is, we don't, we don't know for sure if, he's, if he was a pastor or not, but he was, he was a type of overseer of sorts, mm. uh, for sure. And so Paul was instructing Timothy, and he was giving him some guidelines, and he was saying, you know, run the race, be diligent. Yeah. And he was saying, you also have to handle the words of God correctly, rightly, right. Right. Uh, the words of truth. And so you have to be actually... Um, good with the words of God, right? With the right. sword of the spirit, you have to know how to wield it. You have to know how to explain or rebuke and, mm. and, and use the truth uh, for ministry's sake. Um, but at the same time, you have to, as you see in, you know, uh, Jesus's instruction to Peter, mm. right? He says, do you love me? And his instruction following is, you know, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. I like take care of them, mm. love them and, um, and lead them. And so you need to be like, it's almost like you're expected to be perfect in both areas. Yeah. And I'll say uh, another thing to add on, add on is uh, being able to persevere and keep, uh, keep that calling that God has given you. There's so many pastors that get burnt out and they just like leave the ministry or they fall into sin and they leave the ministry. It's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a good pastor would be someone who's able to uh, stay true to the calling that they've been given uh, and be able to retire um, I, I'm sure, like, of course, there's no r- real, like, retiring, but for the sake of, like, I guess, um, like, what, society, we, we say you're retired, but even uh, the retired pastors that I know, they still go around speaking at different churches, mm-hmm. uh, they still teach, they still do all these things, because cause ministry, there is no <laughs> retiring, right? Yeah. You retire when you die. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that'll be another aspect, is yeah. the perseverance, how long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess um, that's very important too. We, uh, we have a lot of pastors, like I said, that that um, they kind of stop yeah. after a certain point mm-hmm. um, where they give up. Because right. it, it is tough. It's yeah. hard. Um, there's no there's no retirement ministry and there's no part-time ministry. Yeah, there's part-time no part- ministry is a lie. Right, right. There's yeah. no part-time. Because uh, you're, you're on call 24-7. Um, yeah, you're available 24-7. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's something that I'm happy to be available, right. To, to, to my, uh, to my church. What do you uh, think, what do you think gets pastors to, to the finish line? Like, uh, retirement, quote unquote. Uh, I think it's, they keep, keep their relationship with God first. Uh, cause Mm. I think we talked about that too, right. Where, uh, we kind of cut the corner saying like, oh, my sermon prep is my QT. Right. It kind of put your relationship on the back burner. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember a um, long time ago, uh, uh, someone was asking like a former youth pastor of mine. At this point, like I had grown up, he's a lot older, so he wasn't a youth pastor anymore. But he was like the, the congregation member. He was like a deacon. He was like, can you squeeze juice out of a dried orange? Like, mm-hmm. The point was like the pastor needs to be always a juicy orange. Mm-hmm. And the way he do that 
is your own quiet time and relationship with God. The point yeah. is like, I think the point he was trying to make is like ministry can get so overwhelming that you get just dried up because mm-hmm. uh, you have so many things you got to do. And like you only have so much time in the day. And so uh, they sacrifice their time with the Lord in order to uh, get all these things done. And over time, you're just like dried up. You have nothing to offer mm. uh, um, your congregation. Mm. Um, I think what keeps people going, what keeps pastors going is making sure they're that juicy, juicy orange. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right? I think to be a good disciple maker, you have to be a disciple yourself. Yeah. So to make followers of Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. Of course, yeah. To also, in the same, in the same way, to tend sheep and lead sheep, you have to be a good sheep yourself. Yeah. You gotta follow Jesus. Because uh, that's what Paul says too. He's like, follow me like I follow Christ. Exactly. Right? Live Same live like me like I like I live for Christ. Um, yep. We're just, uh, we're all kind of going down the same road, right? We're just maybe a, a few steps ahead and we're like, hey, I'm here. Come this way. And we, but you never stop learning. You never stop growing as a pastor. I think that's, mm. that's another thing too. Like once you stop, it's like, once you stop growing, that's it. Right. And that's the crazy thing. I think we're not a few steps ahead because we're pastors. We're yeah. not a few steps ahead because our intellect or our right, heart right. has gotten us there. It's this has to do with humility, but pastors have to understand that we're only a few steps ahead because Jesus places us there. Right, right. He's the one that called Peter. He's the one that made him a part of his inner circle and kind of showed him the transfiguration and called him personally and, and, and revealed revealed that to us in scripture uh, through the asking, Do you love me three times? Like it's it's Jesus, the chief shepherd who places his shepherds. And so I guess this also has to do with yes, humility, but also, you know, are you called to ministry? Mm. And uh, to what calling are you called to? Uh, you have to you have to understand that like it's it's the Lord who actually places people in authority mm. uh wherever wherever they're wherever they're placed. Right. Uh and Paul makes that clear too when he's kind of giving advice to Timothy, saying like, Don't let your age allow people to look down on you, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're given that authority as a leader. Um I know that might be a little bit harder in like a Asian cult in an Asian culture because uh, older elder the elders the elderly people look down on the younger right thinking like what right. do you know mm-hmm. um, but what we know um, or our authority doesn't come from our age right it comes from the fact that God placed us in the pastor position mm-hmm. and so our authority comes from God's word amen right um, so remembering that too uh, is is a is key um, our authority again it's not placed it's not given to us because we're you know more special or more qualified or anything mm-hmm. it's just we're just given the calling right and then once we have that authority exercise it in a wise way so we don't abuse it um and use it in a way that that uh, edifies the church yeah i think yeah. this is for everybody but if like if for Christians, like in today's society and culture, like there's like this stigma attached to, oh, a Christian needs to look like this. A Christian needs mm-hmm. to do these things. Mm-hmm. If you're bad, you're a bad Christian, so on, so forth. But uh, <clears throat> that's like multiply for pastors. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of criteria like slapped onto the, the title of pastor. Mm-hmm. And I think in some sense, in one way, it's true, right? Like some of these things are very good and they're very telling. But at the same time, like, I think there's a lot of peace that can be found for all Christians where... You don't have to think about what other people think. Just go back to the words of God, right? Like yeah. if the words of God commend it, then like root yourself and your worth as a Christian, as a pastor in these things. Like look yeah. at the criteria of, you know, pastors and elders and deacons. Like, of course, those things are like 
very um very like it seems like you're kind of like checking things off like are you a good father and those things are very important but things like psalm 1 my favorite passage of all time like (laughs) do you delight in the law of the lord like if you love the words of god who cares if you're smart who cares if you know all the answers to every question you just love god's word and you just you just dive into it and you enjoy it you you love receiving more than you know being able to dish out you know answers for questions and like i think that gives me a lot of peace as a pastor and this is not just for pastors but just for christians like anybody that's listening just just delight in the word right like yeah. delight in your relationship with the lord let that give you your worth let that carry your ministry and your life uh and this is this episode is actually you know feeding me a lot and reminding me <laughs> um just because we forget so easily i think um yeah that our worth is not as pastors right like, we're, we're we're uh believers first mm. right we're followers of christ first we're children of god first yeah. children of god first yeah. um you know i just want to like circle back to like just humility because i think that's such a tough thing because yeah. um i just see like the church grow i just see our members grow not just numbers number wise but spiritually you see growth you just like so easy to get puffed up and say it's because of me it's because i did this i did this i did that or they're coming to church uh because they like the pastor whatever uh it can so easily get to your heads uh even when like church members say like oh like i was so blessed by your sermon or something along those lines um it's easy for it to get to your head um but i think when those things happen we have to always stay kind of even keel we don't get too high in the praises we don't get too low in the criticisms Uh, we just keep our head down, keep our head in the word, and just uh, keep on going and uh, knowing that uh, it's all like by God's grace, mm-hmm. right? It's not, you know, like I said, I'm not like that smart. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not that intellectual. Um, so I just know everything that's that's been given to me so far has all been God's grace, not just Amen. in ministry, but just my life in, in total. Life, yeah. Um, and just not losing sight of that. It's so easy to get in our own way and think like, oh, it's because of me. If if I left, the church would like have a hard time. No, the church won't have a hard time. The yeah. church you know, is God's and he takes care of the church. Uh, if we leave, um, someone else will, you know, come in and, and make it even better. So mm-hmm. it's not even about us. We're mm-hmm. just being faithful to the calling he has given us and he uses us uh, however he pleases and we just stay obedient. Yeah. You know? Even in seasons of dryness, right? Like not even just pride in seasons of fruits mm-hmm. and and progression, but in seasons of dryness, humility also helps too. Right? Like yeah. humility is not just a combatant pride, but it's also to handle situations of dryness. Oh yeah. Uh, because in those seasons, it's it's tough when like congregants like turn their back on you because mm-hmm. you can easily remember all the times that you prayed for them yeah. or did things for them behind the scenes or did things for them and their family. And you're like, oh man, like they, they're unappreciative. But uh, you look back at Jesus' example of humility. He came to die for the world and yet they betrayed him. They spat on him. They struck him. They killed him. Yeah. Um, his own people, right? This is very telling for pastors, right? Like pastors say things like, oh, they're so ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't pay me enough or like this, this and that. <laughs> But Jesus' own people, because he was born a Jew, his own people are the ones that crucified him. Yeah. And yet he did it willingly. Yeah. Um, even for seasons of no fruits, like we should be humble in 
yeah. in in our efforts, right? Like yeah. things like stacking chairs or things that seem like it does it doesn't amount to much. Uh, humility helps a lot. Like understanding that like when people turn their backs on you or when things aren't really going your way, knowing that God is in control mm-hmm. gives you peace. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody actually does you wrong or does you dirty, you understand that God is your avenger. Yeah. And he's your strength and refuge. And so yeah. you just give it up to God and say, God, you know, as 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 a uh, as King David says in the Psalms, again and again, God, you know what they've done. Right. You be judged between us. Right. And so um yeah. I think humility is huge, I think, for pastors. Yeah, it is. Um and then diligence too. Um, like PSK mentioned, uh it's a lot about discipline. Uh there's so many things that you know we would i guess we could be doing yeah uh, but we stay disciplined knowing that uh we got to stay disciplined for our for our own sake and for our congregation's sake yep. right uh, if you have an undisciplined if you have an undisciplined pastor uh is a very um i mean god can of course is sovereign he can still use that um but it's not the most ideal situation you want a pastor who's very uh disciplined in all that he does mm-hmm. um that's biblical. It says yeah. it says in the letters of Corinthians, Paul says God is a God of order, not chaos. And so our worship, therefore, needs to be orderly. Yeah. And so in the same way, when it comes to ministry, if we're a if we're a chaotic pastor, not organized, not disciplined. Um, and yeah, like it's gonna show in our ministry. Mm-hmm. Like everything's gonna be a mess, and God's not going to delight in this chaotic, mm-hmm. um, undisciplined ministry. Yeah. Even things like working out, I think, I think pastors should be active, right, for the sake of ministry yeah. and um, for the sake of even like things like, I know this sounds so dumb, but like even even making your congregants feel like you know safe, but also like oh they can actually depend on your pastor because he's even disciplined in these ways. Mm-hmm. Like uh, something that I've been really struggling with is consistency in structure, like schedule. Mm-hmm. And so like, I do fine with like handling like responsibilities and, and juggling things that I need to do. But like sometimes if, when it gets like really busy, I feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm having to like go and like, like drink like extra cups of like supercharged <laughs> or coffee or whatever it may be. Yeah. And uh, but like if I, if I stick to my schedule, which is go to bed by 12 latest every day, wake up by seven, which is like six, seven hours of sleep, hit the gym first thing in the morning, and then go to my meeting on Tuesday or whatever it is, if I stick to that, which has been a struggle lately, but if I stick to that, <laughs> then actually it gives so much time to actually, yes, I'm, I'm going to, of course, handle things like sermon prep and homework and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if I'm always struggling to do these things and, and wrap up on these things, when do I have time to actually love and spend time with my sheep right. and to actually reach out to them, right. check up on them, and like pray the extra like 30 minutes to an hour for them mm-hmm. um, and spend time with the, with the Lord and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, take time with them. So, uh, that's that's super important. I feel like I think a lot of people, a lot of pastors, they they struggle with this. Um, and so that's something the Lord has been really, you know, uh, on top of humility, it's mm-hmm. been really you know pressing on my heart. True, and I think uh, that comes, I think with age too, uh, just being more disciplined, it just comes more naturally. Um, losing losing friends and because <laughs> yeah. yeah, like because. I guess, uh, you know, everyone knows by now I'm 40. So I just looking back to when I was like PSK's age. Yeah. You have like a lot of friends nearby. You just want to do that too. As you study, as you do ministry. 
Uh, but then as you get older, it's kind of like naturally you just kind of separate. <laughs> and like everyone has their own family. So it's like right. you just talk about meeting up, but that like never happens. <laughs> so <laughs> like naturally you get isolated and you're like, okay, then I have time for my schedule. And so, uh, you know, I develop my routine, um, all of it being done early in the morning so that my afternoons and evenings, in case something happens, I can, you know, um, I, I won't be, um, I won't be, I guess, um, behind, right? Mm-hmm. I, like I get everything in the, in the morning, usually when people are still sleeping, um, so that I don't have to play catch up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and discipline is a huge thing. Uh, and I, I think that gets more natural and easier as you get older. Yep. So I'm, I'm sure when I'm 50, I'll be a lot more disciplined than I am today. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, just building habits basically. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're jumping all over the place. Um, but in conclusion, you know, it's it's impossible to be a quote unquote good pastor according to the standard the Bible lays out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is grace in the fact that, you know, you have other pastors to actually complement your ministry and mm-hmm. at the same time it's all by God's grace anyways. Jesus is the head of the church. He handles and takes care of the church, his sheep. It's yeah. his sheep, not yours, first right. and foremost. Right. Um but at the same time, it was also, you know, comforting to me. We just hope that it encourages people who are pastors or who are thinking about ministry or uh, who aren't in ministry or are going to go into ministry, but at the same time, you know, are struggling with their faith or wrestling mm-hmm. uh, with their faithfulness. Yeah. You have a Christian segment, P, for us? Uh, yeah. Um, kind of related to, it's not about pastors, but we did talk about making sure that you stay um, like you stay on top of your relationship with God. Mm. Uh, this headline that I saw was uh, kind of interesting because I, I figured it would be the opposite, but it says Americans who attend church online read the Bible more than those who attend in person. Whoa. Really? Yeah. That's what they studied. But <laughs> the caveat is they only collected responses from like, le- like little Less than 3,000 people. Oh, so it's okay. not even that wide. Um, and the, the, I think the thing was uh, like uh, 25% of the, the, the respondents were weekly Bible users. So they read it at least once a week. Right? So they included that as a, a subcategory. So I guess it's, not, it's probably not entirely true. I mm-hmm. still think right. uh, Probably those in person naturally would read more. I don't, that's just my. You would hope so. My my guess. Um, I feel like those who, I guess maybe I'm like judging those who <laughs> attend online. But you you really cannot attend online. Like online worship is just not like church. oxymoron. It's like it does not exist. That mm-hmm. it's like you're watching the service, but you're not attending the service. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that that bugged me was um, just reading through comments of like live live streams at like mega churches. They're like, "Oh, we we enjoy the the uh, the live stream because by the time but we're eating breakfast while the the praise portion is is going, and then when the praise portion is done, our breakfast is over, so we can sit and listen to the sermon." I'm like, "You're not attending the worship. <laughs> you're, you're watching the worship, but you're not attending, right?" So. But I have to confess, during during like the whole lockdown, I've done that a couple times. <laughs> but we just watch. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's better than nothing, right? right, right it's right. better than it nothing. It is better than nothing. Yeah, because yeah, at least you're hearing the words of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But what are your thoughts? What do you think? You think it's going to you think more people in person read or more people uh who live stream read? Maybe I'm a little maybe I'm a little pessimistic, but I feel like in one sense kind of makes sense. Like I could see it from an angle of like maybe the online viewers they feel like because they're not going in person, they have to make up by actually reading the words of God. Maybe. maybe. And maybe, maybe some people who actually regularly attend every Sunday, they feel like the act of coming to church is enough. And so they don't read the words of God no. at home. Because I know a lot of Christians actually who don't read the Bible and go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's not good, right? Yeah. I feel like that might even be like on par with like a online attender who reads the Bible, you know, regularly throughout their week. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, you got to read the words of God. Um, I'm not sure. I think it is unfortunate that Christians don't read the word. That's yeah. all I know for a fact. And that's, that's really sad. Or like for them personally, but also for their ministry's sake, mm-hmm. um, you need the words of God. Yeah. Like you you need to be in the words of God. Um, just diving a little bit deeper into the article. Um, they broke down the statistics, the statistics a little bit. Um, they asked these people uh, how they how they read the Bible or like the method of using the Bible. Is and it a so, verse a day? <laughs> it probably is. But uh, 69% say that they use a hard copy like this wow. uh, once a month. Oh. Once a month. Okay. And then while 50% use an app once a month, right? Um, and then they say 48%, they don't, they're not even reading the whole Bible or like a chapter. They're just doing like an internet search. Or like maybe like verses on prayer or verses yeah, on hope, like, and they're just yeah. reading like a verse or two, um, or they watch a Bible video. Maybe it's a like I'll a video form of yeah. Okay. And then bo- bo- Bible audio or podcast is thirty two percent. So wow. even in this reading, there I mean the scale is once a month. You know. Yeah. Like, I find that very discouraging. Um, that that's the standard yeah, nowadays. Once a month. That means basically like. 12 times a year, right? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's the bar. Um, <laughs> which is kind of funny because the timing of this, because for our listeners and viewers, I just searched this up, this article up like before, uh, right before we shot this, this episode, just mm-hmm. to have uh, something to talk about, like uh, l- while looking for a, a news headline to keep it candid. Uh, but this week, I kind of got on our leaders uh, for not... Um, posting their their reading, and we're on we're following a Bible app, which is kind of funny because they talked about apps here, but it's called Bible in One Year app, and we're on we were starting day two eighty five on Tuesday, and I was pointing out some of you have yet to post. It's been two hundred and eighty five days. Wow, right? That means it's not even once a month. It's one maybe once a year. Once a year, just kicking out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I told them like, hey, I think it's. I told them I set the bar really low. the 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 bar is just post once a week, right? I just figured we'll do baby steps once a week, but I'm hoping we can get to posting it once a day, right? And I told them if we haven't posted once this up to 285 days, I don't know if we'll ever reach once a day, which is uh, where I want to be, right? Um, so the timing of it is kind of interesting. The, mm. 
Don't make it seem like I, I looked this up and then I got on leaders. Yeah, intentionally. No, it's not. Uh, it just happened to work out this way. But um, it said um, 32%, right? Listen for, to the Bible audio and podcast. Yeah. I have a, um, I actually think that's pretty smart. Not not to replace like your personal time diving the words of God, but I, I, know, a, I know a lady or I know of a lady because my professor's wife. She has a long commute every single day, 365 days of the year. Mm-hmm. And during her long commute, she would just have the Bible going from That's Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. And she apparently, if you include her commute and Bible listening to the listening to the Bible audio and her personal reading of the Bible, she gets through the Bible like a few times a year. Yeah, which is yeah. like pretty crazy yeah. to think about if you actually take advantage of that. Um but no, actually, yeah, one thing that I, I tell my kids this too, my youth kids this as well. But like one thing I like, if I had to say, for lack of better words, like I pride my my ministry in is like devotion to the words of God. Like my youth kids know like there is no youth kid that's going to be on the Bible on their phone during service. Yeah. I tell them to bring their physical Bible to church. Our church right. does that actually. Yeah. I really emphasize delighting the words of God. Uh, our leaders, we talk about it almost weekly you know, you, as leaders, we have to be in the words of God. Yeah. And I think that actually trickles into like their adulthood. I see like college students from my ministry who are still like reading the words of God way more than once once a month. Yeah. Um, and so I, I mean, that bar is pretty day, low. Yeah, yeah, the bar is pretty low. But uh, like at the very minimum, a few times, you know, a week. Uh, and so it should be every day. And, and many of them, you know, they strive for that. And so it's important. It's not, it's not, it's not like a simple thing. Reading the words of God is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's what that's something I, I suggest too. It's like our Bible One Year app has an audio, so if on your commute, while you work out, while you shower, you have so many. There's like no excuse to not be able to read uh, the Bible because technology. I think they made it the Bible really accessible. Yeah. Uh, to at least, uh, I mean, of course, the the ideal way is to have a hard 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 copy, and you sit down and you spend that time just only focus on God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if just to get our feet wet and get, get ourselves used to reading the, the word, uh, you have an audio format, you have apps, you have all these different, you know, technological, uh, tools that you can use. Um, I think what it boils down to is just the heart, right? Yeah. We just don't want, we just don't want to, right? Cause, uh, something I stressed was like, we get things done that needs to get done every day, no matter how busy we are. Um, so the fact that we aren't reading uh, shows that the Bible is not a priority or maybe a very low priority in our lives. Yeah. Uh, in our lives. So it's like, uh, oh, if I read today, that's fine. If not, whatever, I'll read tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so that's very telling. But yeah. this, uh, I guess, I guess the headline is kind of a let. The, I mean, the headline gets you interested in this story. But then when you read the article, it's kind of a letdown because their standard is so low. It's like once a month um, or like once a week. It's not every day. If we count every day, I, I doubt we'd have even 1%. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad. It, sad. it really is. I, I know I'm laughing, but I'm saying it's, it's just because it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's so there, ridiculous. There are Christians around the world who, who literally get killed for reading the Bible. Or possessing a Bible. Or possessing a yeah. Bible. Who, who, who will give up anything. To have, have a copy a of the Bible. Yeah. We're so privileged and so spoiled. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I think um, it just, like I said, boils down to the heart. We don't want to read. 
Yeah, I'm going to go read the Bible right after this episode. But uh, <laughs> then we can move on to our secondary segment, our yeah. second secondary segment. We're going to do a Q&A, uh, but uh, we have a special guest. A voice guest. A voice guest, our brother Nathan Kim. <laughs> a lot of our viewers uh, know who he is. He goes to our church. He serves in the youth and the EC. Uh, he's very faithful. He's a brother that I, I hold dear. We both hold dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, very precious sheep. Uh, he's going to call out a few questions for us and uh, we're just going to give answers to them as a special secondary segment for the last episode of the season all right nathan we're ready uh, first question is once psk is married and pe is ready for another child what would you name your children answers for both genders all right so, I can go first. Uh, oh, you want to go first? No, no, I'm saying like you can okay. go first, but just so like the mic doesn't pick up, that Nathan's question is if uh, once Pastor Sam has kids, boy and girl name, and then for me, if we have a third boy or girl name. Right. So you, go ahead. I only say that I'll go first because I, I think about this kind of stuff. I really like <laughs> names. I think I mentioned that before, yeah. but I love names, especially the meaning of names. Like I didn't like my name growing up until I found out what the name meant. And it just seemed like, it, it fit with like God's calling, right? Uh, name Samuel. Uh, Samuel is um, God hears or hearer of God. And at the time, you know, still now, but I feel like, you know, God heard my prayers and a lot of times and, and, and I heard God as well, him answer my prayers. But uh, because of that, I was like, wow, like names are really interesting. Um, and so if it's a girl, honestly, I like this name so much that it could be a guy too. But if it's a girl, Ariel. And not after, uh, not after Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Everyone says that, but uh-huh. it's not. It's not after Little Mermaid. Ariel. It's his favorite Disney no, movie. <laughs> no. But Little Mermaid is a good, good, uh, good, good Disney movie. Ariel, I looked into it. I, f- I, remember, I forgot why I looked into it, but the meaning of the name Ariel, it means Lion of God. Um, it could be Lioness of God as well. Uh, it's either a Greek or a Latin name, I think. Uh, but it means Lioness of God. I just thought... The meaning of the name was so sick. And then if it's a guy, I have many names, uh, but I'll just give one for each. And if it's a guy, I really like the name Uriah. Mm-hmm. Uriah, uh, for those of you who, who don't remember or don't know, is the character in the story of King David when he becomes lazy and he doesn't go out to battle in the season that kings are supposed to go out to battle. And he sees Bathsheba and he commits adultery with the woman Bathsheba whom he spots on her roof bathing. And Uriah is the husband of Bathsheba. David gets gets pregnant and he calls Uriah back home to actually have Uriah sleep with his wife to cover up that the, that the baby is King David's. Uh, but Uriah in his righteousness, in his uh, brotherly love and his camaraderie, he decides, no, like my brothers are out there fighting for the kingdom. And so I'm going to stay here and sleep on the streets if I have to. I'm not going to sleep in the comfort of my bed with my wife. And so I, I saw that and I was like, man, this character is awesome. And he gets killed off by David, which by the way, Uriah was a close friend of David's. Because if you read in the, uh, in the list of names, I forget you, forgetting which book, but Uriah is listed as one of David's like 300 mighty men mm-hmm. who are very yeah, yeah. you know victorious, who are very well known uh, in, in their battle right. uh, feats. And so Uriah was a very, very capable man. And he showed it in his character by not... By not going home to sleep with his wife, right? Because his brothers were out there fighting the, yeah. fighting the war, and and I looked into the name because of because of Uriah, and the name means flame of God, 
And I was like, that's so sick. <laughs> I was like, my first son for sure is going to be Uriah. And his nickname is going to be Ray. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's probably my favorite name. His middle name is going to be Flame of God. <laughs> fire. Uriah <laughs> Fire. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's, yeah, Uriah is sick. I think in the Bible, he comes out a short while, but he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are good names. Yep. Um, for me, um, if we were to have a third, which my wife made it clear we're not going to have a third, but just for fun, <laughs> just to answer the question. No. Um, for a girl, I always like the name Chloe. Hmm. Um, just because. Just I just like the name Chloe. Um, and then for, for a boy, um, just keeping with the disciples, because Andrew and Matthew, disciples mm-hmm. of Jesus, uh, uh, I guess Peter could be one. Uh, but... I also thought, because uh, that's kind of common, right? Peter mm-hmm. or James. Well, what about Thaddeus? I think that's pretty cool. Too. Oh, Thaddeus. that'd be sick. <laughs> There'll be no other Korean boy named Thaddeus. That's I probably facts. promise that's, you. That's for sure. You. That's true. I'll just call him Thaddy. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be Thad, cute. Thad, I like Thad, that. Yeah, Thaddeus. Um, okay. Yeah. Next question. <clears throat> what is your essential part of your daily routine, not including spending the time in the Word and Essential daily routine. Okay. Not including word and prayer. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I'd say working out, which is kind of a cheat answer because I don't work out every day. (laughs) Um, But like, I do feel different when I don't work out. I think people who have lifted, yeah, like if you're in the routine of working out and you don't work out, one, you feel like guilty, but like also you just do feel like off. Like, you feel less productive. And I think that is, uh, that is scientific. Like there are studies done on like, if you are physically active before having to tackle your to-do list, mm-hmm. it actually apparently like your brain, when you work out, it releases, I don't know what it's called at all. I'm dopamine? Not to know. I don't know what it is. Probably okay. dopamine for sure. That I know makes you feel good. That. Yeah, it makes yeah. you feel good. But also like a productive like chemical that actually helps you like focus better. Mm. Um, and so just working out, I try to work out five times a week. So far, I've only done three this week. And so today will be the fourth, and I'll probably just cut it off there. Um, but like, yeah, probably working out. Because other than the word and, word and prayer, there is really nothing yeah. else. Yeah. True. But yeah. Uh, I guess mine's kind of related to working out. You work out because you eat, right? So <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating, is, eating is essential oh, for man. me. Uh, not because like, it's good well, yeah, I, I like to eat, right? Uh, everyone knows I really enjoy food. But it's also uh, because I'm able to spend that time with people to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rarely eat by myself. Yeah. It's always with people uh, in our in our congregation or with my family or what have you. So uh, just enjoying that time of food and fellowship. Which, by the way, in heaven we're going to be eating. Yeah. And so, because it says we're going to take communion, Jesus yeah. says that, and at the same time, it also describes it as a feast. And I think. So, I think uh, that's a clue that yeah. our glorified bodies will not have a stomach, so we can eat forever. Really? That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think or just like it digests like instantly <laughs> maybe we will poop in heaven who knows yeah. probably not I don't think we will but I mean you don't know you're just guessing at this point but I think more importantly it's, it's, it's the fact that you know eating is not just about surviving it's about fellowship uh, yeah. and so yeah that's a good answer mm-hmm. if, I, if I loved eating which I don't uh, I would be jacked for sure but I, uh, I, don't, I don't like to eat so I, don't, I can't fuel my gains mm. But anyways, next question, if there are any more. 
<clears throat> I think this is the final question, right? Is the final yeah. question okay? Final question. Um, what does it mean for the Bible to be inerrant? Oh, what does it mean for the Bible to be inerrant? Inerrant, the word itself, apart from the Bible, the word inerrant means n- no errors, mm-hmm. right? There are no mistakes. And the word that's attached to inerrant normally is infallible, which mm-hmm. is it cannot make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so our claim, the Christian's claim about the Bible is that it is both inerrant and infallible, meaning it does not contain error and it, it is not, it cannot make mistakes. Yeah. I think most people disagree because of bad interpreters and people who don't know how to handle the words of God correctly. And so there are a lot of people who do make mistakes with the Bible. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean the Bible itself is yeah, yeah itself has a mistake contains a mistake right. Um, I think a lot of people also like to point to the fact that there are like hundreds of different thousands of different translations of the Bible. I think it's important. It's very important to actually make it clear that the rule of inerrancy and infallibility it only pertains to the the original text of Scripture, the autograph the of he- Scripture. Yeah. Uh, the Hebrew and the Greek. Greek and even yeah. with the Hebrew and Greek, we're talking about even before that, the literal original, like Moses's inscription of right. the Ten Commandments. Now, obviously, we don't have those, uh, but there's also a lot of studies and, and thoughts uh, to actually think through and actually have strong support and belief and confidence in the belief of inerrancy, even if we don't have the original autographs. Uh, but that's what it's talking about. And so if, if translations contain error, that's okay. Like Christians should be able to shrug that off and be like, okay, like, yeah, we can, we can actually agree on certain errors on, you know, different translations of the Bible. Uh, but we're not talking about, you know, infallibility, inerrancy. Yeah. Um, translation. We can. So when you read like uh, the gospels, there, there are these people called scribes. Uh, their little job was to copy scripture. And uh, their job was actually taken very seriously. They would uh, copy and they would count each stroke and had to count. It had to equal the same number as the original text. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't, they would scrap it and they'll start all over again. They're very meticulous. Yeah, they're very meticulous. So they would, yeah. they, would, they would count forwards and backwards to double check, make sure that every, every stroke of the original text was copied over. Yep. So we can trust that yeah, we don't have the old manuscripts, but the copies of it uh, were done in that way so that it can be preserved. And back right? then, like paper, papyrus, you know, the, the tablets of stone, whatever they used to write, it was very expensive. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a big use or waste of resources. Mm-hmm. And so they took that very seriously, very yeah, yeah. carefully. And um, not only just transcribing, but also preserving was a big deal in the ancient right. uh, in the ancient uh, world. Right. Uh, but also, like even like the idea of being able to get close to the autograph without the autograph, the autograph meaning the original text, is actually uh, very, uh, very practical and very, uh, very reliable. There was, um, I don't know what, I, I forget, but like uh, I used this illustration before. There's like a literal, a real uh, alleyway in... Um, in like somewhere in Europe, I think France or Paris or something, mm-hmm. where there are like one-to-one copies of like priceless um, art pieces, masterworks, like the Mona Lisa, uh, pieces from Monet and, and right. whatever, like all these different like very famous paintings. And like every single day, 
there are just dozens of people in front of these paintings trying to copy these paintings. And uh, somebody, a tourist once asked, like, is it okay for them to do that? Like, why do they do this? And they actually said that, let's say like the Mona Lisa, let's say burned up a priceless piece of, um, uh, piece of art. They say that if that burned up, because there are countless copies of the Mona Lisa, no matter how bad they are, if they brought every single copy of the Mona Lisa together and they would study every single copy and they would look at the similarities, the places where they struggled, most artists commonly struggled or like the places with the most differences or the most similarities, that they could actually use these studies of these fakes, these copies, and they could actually replicate a one-to-one copy mm. of the paintings. They, they said this is, actually, this is an actual practice. And so the fact that we have countless translations of the bible it is a good thing i think unless like obviously like it's heretical and it completely changes the text but like if it's if the if the aim is to actually translate the scriptures accurately it actually is reliable to actually believe in the reliability of even the translations that we have today like the esv even niv Mm -hmm. uh the older 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 uh copies and, and the nlt these kind of these kind of things yeah and so, yeah, and so that's, that's what it means to be inerrant. Um, mm-hmm. The words of God, the reason why we stress it so much, like we did for the Christian news, is because it's reliable. Yeah. It's more than reliable. It's more than we need. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yep. I think uh, we'll end our season one here on that note. Uh, read your Bibles, everybody. <laughs> uh, yep. So we'll be, I guess, uh, taking like a month uh, to get ready for season two. Hope you all are excited. I'm already excited. I know PSK is already excited. We've already talked about like the the vision for season two. Yep. Uh, so, um, season one was this is ministry. Mm-hmm. Season two is going to be something else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's going to actually branch out, you know, wider than just pastoral ministry right. and whatnot. So, right. So something to something to look forward to. Uh, so if you have stuck around for all 16 episodes, we really appreciate each and every one of you. I know Nathan has a brother right here. <laughs> he's he's listened to it multiple times. <laughs> but um yeah, so we'll come back uh beginning of December, December third, six AM Friday, uh with season two. So mm. I hope uh, that's something for everyone to look forward to. Um and we'll see you then. All right. Much love guys. Mm-hmm.